0: So tara, I, I thought today would be a nice time to share with the audience how you got into yoga in classical Chinese medicine.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to.
0: Well, how do you want to get started?
1: Well, I can share a little bit about my background and how it was totally unrelated to either of these healing arts. I think that might be relatable to people because, to be perfectly honest, I never saw myself as somebody who could really develop these skills because I tended to be a little bit anxious and I tended to be kind of a worrywart and, you know, somewhat frazzled. I did really well in college and in high school, but it took a lot of effort for me to focus. And the thing that kind of aligned me and that created the big shift for me immediately was my freshman year of college when my mom was really the one who steered me in the direction of yoga practice. The Natural Healing Podcast, the show designed to guide, inspire, and empower you to elevate your health so you can achieve your goals and dreams. We are your hosts, Dr. Satara Moafi
0: and Salvador Cephalou,
1: a husband and wife team of acupuncturists and owners of a Center for Natural Healing, an integrative wellness clinic based in the heart of Silicon Valley.
0: We're here to make the ancient wisdom of healing practical and accessible. For your modern lifestyle. Well, I know you were a double major at UC Berkeley, so I'm sure that was quite challenging and stress-inducing.
1: Well, actually, I had a minor in German language and German literature and a uh, major in political economy, which was basically a fusion major of Multidisciplines, including political science, economics, international studies. So I was very much interested in making a world impact through doing something like immigration law or something with the United Nations. I really wanted to be out in the world because I always loved travel. And because my family was really involved during my childhood in Iran with creating change or moving in the direction of change, which unfortunately got steered in the wrong way with the 1979 Iranian Revolution. But after that, we became political refugees. And my mom, my dad and I moved first to Turkey and then to Germany, where we were, I think, for a total of about two years. My sister was born at the end of that time. And then we immigrated finally to the United States.
0: Oh, so that's your connection with Germany.
1: Yes, exactly. Germany was where I learned my third language. So I first learned Farsi and then Turkish and then German. You know, because when you're a child, you're just like a sponge. If you're exposed to something, you'll pick it up and just kind of develop the skill. We get a little more jaded as we get older.
0: That's easy for you to say, since I'm still trying to master the language of English.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a different exposure. You know, I was kind of forced to be exposed to these different languages and different cultures from a young age, which I shouldn't say forced. It really was a privilege because I think that's what made me so interested in different kinds of arts and different cultures as I got older. And my interest in travel, I think that seed was planted at a very young age.
0: And so let's get into uh, what got you started with your yoga practice.
1: So I was a freshman in college at UC Berkeley. It was a very stressful curriculum and not just the stress of the curriculum, but also I think a lot of the stress and pressure that I imposed on myself. I was not raised in a family where I was told what to do or what direction I should take my life. The advice that I always remember my mom giving me from a really, really young age was you can do anything if you put your mind to it. So she always gave me the sense of believing in myself. If I really, you know, just applied myself, I could do what I wanted. So there's no really limit. I was never told you, you should be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or whatever, you know, kind of pressure that's often actually given by Iranian parents to their children But that also, I had this experience with myself of feeling like I needed to accomplish as though there's almost this pressure that I put on myself, maybe because we were immigrants, to kind of become accomplished.
0: Well, I could say as your husband, I could definitely recognize that you have a tremendous drive and you have a very hard uh, work ethic. So I'm sure when you were, Studying, you were driving yourself pretty hard. So, what happened?
1: <laughs> well, I started becoming more like that in high school. I think in elementary and junior high, I was very just didn't really want to focus on school, didn't have an interest in school. And then something happened in high school where that started to shift. And then, obviously, going into an environment like UC Berkeley, where there, it is just a higher pressure environment, I started putting more of that pressure onto myself, and it started to create a lot of anxiety. I would experience palpitations. I would go through really difficult menstrual periods. And at that time, my mom started recommending that I do something, you know, to take care better care of myself. And at that time, this was in the late 1990s, yoga had become a little bit more popular in the West. And she had heard a lot about it and read about it. And she said, well, why don't you do something like yoga? And of course, being the 19 year old or whatever, 18 year old little brat that I was, I was like. You don't know what you're talking about. I could never do yoga. That was my response. Because, you know, I can't even relax my mind. How am I going to? And I'm the most inflexible person ever. I couldn't touch my toes. I couldn't stretch at all.
0: It well, just, perhaps at that time.
1: <laughs> right. It just seemed like the most outlandish, random suggestion. I always respected what my mom said, but this one just didn't relate to me at all or didn't resonate.
0: So then what finally got you started?
1: Well, my roommate suggested that we take a yoga class that was being offered through a decal program. So decal classes were classes that were created by students who would bring in outside teachers to teach classes on campus. So I decided to do it. I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. My mom was just talking about yoga. And I don't know if I thought of it as a sign at the time, but I just kind of you know, spontaneously decided to take the class with her. And the class met for two late afternoons every week and was taught by, I'll never forget, the woman who taught it was this incredibly beautiful Native American kind of older woman. And she just had this presence about her that was really lovely, that was very inspiring. And she was all about just getting rested. So she would actually start the practice with us In Shavasana, in corpse pose, where we were just laying on our mats as though to go into a restful state.
0: Yeah, she clearly knew that this was a group of tired students that she was working with.
1: I think so. And so she would put us in this state. And for the first full two weeks of the class, I never came out of that position. I literally spent the entire hour and 15 or hour and 30 minute class in Shavasana, asleep. Because I didn't know how to relax.
0: And then where did it go?
1: So it really changed me. It took a few weeks for me to start to really get rested enough to be able to go through the postures that she was teaching. And by, I think, like the third or fourth week, I remember stepping out of the classroom one evening and the sun was still out. And I remember suddenly I could hear everything around me. I could hear the birds. I could hear the wind or the breeze blowing through the trees. I could hear stillness. It was the most profound experience. And I think the reason why it was so profound is because I had spent so much of my life in my mind, feeling like that was my truth. And I think that's the, really the moment that I began to wake up.
0: It's really interesting because your change of awareness occurred just from really just settling down your body and your mind. Exactly.
1: It was really, really profound. And that experience changed my whole life experience. It changed how I operated. I became obsessed with yoga. I started practicing even after that class was over. I got a yoga video and I started practicing at home every afternoon after classes, I started cultivating and starting to research different types of yoga and how to practice more deeply. And what really happened that was kind of interesting or ironic is that the more I practiced and the less effort I put into everything, the better I performed. So I started performing in a lot of my classes at the top of my class. I think because I was just so much more relaxed. Because when you're more relaxed, you're much more present.
0: Yeah, and clear. Exactly. All right, really interesting. And then you became a yoga teacher. You want to go into that a little bit?
1: Well, I was going to go to law school. Like I said, I really wanted to go into immigration law. And then after I finished college, I worked in a law firm for about a year and just decided that that wasn't the path for me. Kind of the last straw was seeing... One of the associates, I think she was like six or seven months pregnant, staying at the office till like one in the morning to work. And I just couldn't imagine that, that lifestyle for me. And so I'd already really developed this passion in yoga and created a network. And I was teaching at studios throughout the peninsula in Palo Alto and Mountain View Los Altos, that whole area. And so I decided that I wanted to open a yoga studio. And so I left the law firm opened Yoga of Los Altos. Shortly thereafter, I had a falling out with my business partner. And I think it was divine intervention because letting go of the studio and having to kind of grieve that dream or the loss of that dream propelled me into a new adventure, a new path where my acupuncturist at the time recommended that I explore Chinese medicine and studying traditional Chinese medicine.
0: Yeah, and what I found really interesting about your undergraduate or your master's uh, degree training was that at the same time before you completed that, you started taking uh, PhD-level classes with our now current master, Dr. Jeffrey Yuen. Yeah, that's how we met.
1: That is right. That's exactly how we met. Well, I think once you start to cultivate deeper awareness, and Salvador, you're very familiar with this, with like listening to guidance, is when I finally enrolled in TCM school, even though to be perfectly honest, I didn't love it. I knew nothing about Chinese medicine. It just felt random to me at first until I started to really go deeper into the theory of the medicine. And then it really started to wake something up in me. I continued to teach yoga, but I... Started to develop this understanding of Chinese medicine that I wanted to go deeper into, but that wasn't really available in the graduate studies. And so I remember a group of students one day during lunchtime at the Santa Cruz campus of Five Branches University standing and talking, and they mentioned the name Jeffrey Yuan. And to be perfectly honest, I heard that name and something happened. I went home that evening. I researched his name on the internet. I saw that there was a PhD program that he was the head of. I enrolled. I applied in that to that PhD program, thinking that I'd have to wait till after I was done with my masters, but because masters programs in this medicine have become so much more developed over the years, the requirements are also, you know, you're kind of grandfathered in at a at a younger stage in the program in your master's. So after completing a certain number of units, then you can begin your PhD. I flew myself down to Los Angeles and spent four days at UCLA taking a class with Jeffrey UN, feeling as though I was standing in front of a fire hydrant trying to take a sip of water. It was so overwhelming and so much information that I knew nothing about. And The shift for me came when he started talking about Taoism and cultivation, self-cultivation. And that was during one of the days of the classes where he taught us a series of meditations on one of the four great masters, Luan Su. I believe you were in that class, weren't you?
0: Yes, I was.
1: Yeah, we didn't know each other at that time, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But... He did a series of meditations with us that were so beautiful that I literally broke down in tears during one of them. And I felt like, wow, this is it. Like, this is why I came here. Because the three days before that, I just felt like crying for a different reason. (laughs) Crying because I was just so frustrated. Like, what am I doing here? And that journey began my studies with Jeffrey. And that's what really motivated me to finish the master's program and then ultimately the PhD program in classical Chinese medicine.
0: Yeah, and just for clarification with our audience, I have not received my PhD in that program because I didn't enroll in it, but I pretty much have taken every class offered in the program. So, um,
1: yeah, and that's how we met. Just wanted to make that
0: clear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's how we met. That's how we connected is because we were both taking so many of the classes that we started to kind of cross paths and see each other a lot, especially when he was in the Bay Area and in Los Angeles. And the class that really I remember, we were both like, I don't know if I want to do this. Because I was very open at that time, but I think when they mentioned stone medicine, I took like five steps back. And I remember being like, that's not medicine. That's impossible.
0: Yeah, I didn't think it had any application for my practice as Mm -hmm. a clinician as well.
1: And then it actually turned into both of our passions.
0: It's became my life hobby for sure. Yeah. Well, that was really an interesting journey through your path to becoming a, a yogi and a doctor of Chinese classical medicine. So thank you very much for sharing that with us today.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: Well, it's very interesting to hear about how you found yourself redirected onto this healing path as a participant and also a practitioner. And I'm curious to know, of have there been any great lessons that you could share with the audience about finding your purpose like this in your life?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is to always listen to and follow your heart If you have an idea about what you think you want to do, listen to that. And just, I think, you know, cultivate yourself to find practices that you can do like yoga, like qigong, like meditation, so that you can find the stillness in your mind that gives you the clarity of what your purpose is rather than, you know, try to formulate the thoughts and ideas about what you think you should be doing. So get very clear in your mind, quiet in your mind, so that then you can naturally be led to what you want. And the other thing I want to share is don't let go of the things you want to do. So if there's certain things that you're interested in, allow those things to stay in your field because many of your interests are ultimately what are tied into what your ultimate purpose becomes.
0: Yeah, those are some really good points uh, for sure. And I think uh, it's easy to see how you know most of us are stuck in our rational mind. We're always trying to figure it out rather than just giving it space to just bubble up and show itself.
1: Yeah, and one thing I read somewhere the other day that really, really struck me was if you're not sure what to do with your life, if you don't have a sense of purpose... Focus on the feeling that you want to generate. If you focus on the feeling, then oftentimes the universe shows you the way.
0: And that reminds me of Joseph Campbell's quote that guided me a long time ago to follow your bliss.
1: Absolutely.
0: What gives you the feeling of bliss.
1: Yep. And then doors open where you thought none existed before.
0: Fabulous. (laughs) Thank you again for sharing your story.
1: Thank you for allowing me to share.
0: Now, we would love to hear from you. Go to acenterfornaturalhealing.com forward slash bliss and let us know what you found most inspiring about Setata's journey into the healing arts. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Natural Healing Podcast.
1: We look forward to having you again next
0: time. Bye.